0: Hit it! It's Russian collusion 2.0. Vladimir Putin has won the vaccine race. Stand by. The doors to the newsroom are locked and the PC police are not getting in. So sit back and relax as we unfold today's edition of the Ledger Report. And in San Diego, one anchor man was more than. His name was Graham Ledger. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. Why do you do right now? We don't even have the answers for what that may mean. I'm on a call last night with the parents and our players, and they're asking me a bunch of questions. What does this mean for my scholarship? What does this mean for my eligibility? Do I get another year? What does this mean for the fifth year seniors? What does it mean for the underclassmen? Stop tape. What does it mean for this republic? What does it mean for this country? To not have college football, potentially. To cancel the season. This is the talk right now. Canceling the entire football season for college football. Each of the individual divisions uh, within college football... Each of the individual conferences are now meeting and and they're wringing their hands and they're trying to figure out what is the best protocol and how are we going to do this and should we do this? If we do it, should we test? How often should we test? Should we create a bubble like the NBA has created a bubble in Orlando, Florida? How can we do this to the children? How can we do this to the young people? They'll be spreading the Wuhan coronavirus amongst each other as they tackle each other on the grid iron. What should we do? Well, here's the football coach, the head football coach for Penn State, James Franklin, saying, Now, wait a minute. Hold on a minute. There's a lot at stake here. And he's talking about it, of course, from a football Perspective, which is fine because that's his job. His job is to lead his team to a national championship, Penn State. It's about time they they have one, right? You Penn State fans. But it's interesting the discussion that's going on in college football. It's a microcosm, I think, of whether this country proceeds out of this fantastically crazy government response to the Wuhan coronavirus and whether cooler heads prevail. Now, we know that the colleges and universities in this country are inundated and permeated by the liberal left, who are going to be towing the line of the various blue state governors and and blue city mayors out there who have decided to crush the economy and crush everybody's lives and take away the constitutional rights of tens of millions of Americans. So the Odds are, if I was going to Vegas and they had a line on this, whether am sure they do. Whether there's going to be a college football season or not, I would suspect that it is probably right there at 50-50. The NFL is a different story. Of course, the NFL is driven by money, and uh, these guys want to play football, and they want to make their uh, their revenue from television. They're not obviously going to make it from tickets. Um, Cardboard cutouts don't pay a lot of money in the stands last I checked and I don't know if football is going to do what baseball does so bizarre so bizarre watching I, and I'm not watching baseball I'm boycotting but you know when you flip through the channels or you're looking on social media and you see a clip and it just flashes by and you say oh there's fans in the stands <laughs> ah upon further review and a closer look those aren't fans those are cardboard cutouts that they stuck just behind home plate so the center field camera can make it look like there are, there are people behind the batter, the catcher, and, and the umpire. And then, of course, once there's a, a ball hit in play, then you see all the empty stands. bizarro. It's bizarre land that the history books should treat with a whole lot of skepticism, to say the least, if not consternation and shame for what we are doing as a society. So the question is, will football, be it the NFL or college football, save America from itself? Save America from this implosion that we're all experiencing because of the government response to the Wuhan coronavirus. Um, These each individual conferences are looking at their situations right now. And we know, obviously, the conferences on the West Coast and on the East Coast are going to be more susceptible to these liberal indoctrinators on their campus. But then we have these other football conferences on the interior of this country that I think are going to be itching to play. So what we may have here is a kind of strange patchwork of some schools and conferences engaging and some not. And so they may have to kind of have an ad-lib kind of schedule you know kind of at the last minute maybe you know these these teams in Texas play each other and maybe division one plays division two and division three and that would be interesting as well uh, I'm hearing uh, it's it's just mind-boggling to me as this discussion goes on about football which is is very important it does proceed by the way I I think it's crucially important even if we're going to boycott it even if we're going to boycott the NFL, we need to have life go on. College football, I'm hopeful that college football is, is not going to deteriorate into this crazy um, social metaphor, this anti-American attack through Black Lives Matter and Antifa and LeBron James and all these uh, messaging out there that is completely anti-constitutional. I'm hopeful that college football remains above All of that, I pray to God there's going to be no kneeling going on because I want to watch some football. But we're hearing from some of these, well, I guess you would call them spoiled athletes. And let's face it, by the time you get to college and you're on a scholarship at a major university like USC or UCLA or um, some schools in in Texas or, uh, let's say, Penn State, Michigan State, uh, University of Michigan, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, you're pampered and you're spoiled. And so some of these college athletes are coming out and saying, well, you know, we don't know if we want to play. We don't know if we're going to get sick. We don't know if it's safe. We don't know if our school is going to test enough. Yeah, the, the, the crazy thing about testing, we're still hearing on average it takes about a week, maybe two weeks to get the results of a test for Wuhan coronavirus. It's Really, a test like that is is almost worthless, right? Unless when you test, you quarantine then for the next 14 days or until you get the test results. What's the point of the test? What is the point of the test? By the way, the last numbers I checked, uh, we've administered uh, somewhere in the neighborhood, I think, 60 million, six zero, 60 million tests in this country. Last I checked... That's one-fifth of the population. That's an incredible... In a country this size, the population, but also just the sheer size and the makeup in our federalist system, the fact that we have tested one-fifth of the population is an incredible feat. Is anybody saying this anywhere in the mainstream media? And that Donald Trump should receive a lot of credit for making these test kits available in various forms in various ways drive up drive through swab this uh, this dna that we have a quick test we have a all kinds of different kinds of tests are coming out now that are being approved rapidly by the fda because of the trump administration but you're not hearing any of this in the mainstream media you're not hearing the fact that the average age of people who succumb to the Wuhan coronavirus is 78 years old and you're not hearing that somewhere in the order of 60-65 million tests most of which come back negative by the way the vast majority coming back negative 60-65 million tests have been administered uh, in this country so we have these whiny whiny athletes out there and apparently they're not reading the headlines I'm reading this one, another one, and we've seen these over and over and over again that young people and this would effectively be age 0 through 20, 25, 30. I put those in the young people range. Young people are largely effectively immune. If they are contracting the Wuhan coronavirus, the vast majority is asymptomatic, and the ones that show some symptoms and, and get sick recover. They're not dying. There's a few outlier cases and a few... Um, cases of, of misreporting from the mainstream media, imagine that where you know a, a child, I believe in, in Georgia somewhere, uh, came down, a, a young person I think under the age of 10, of the Wuhan coronavirus uh, had a seizure while taking a shower in the bathtub slipped and uh, hit his head apparently and died with the Wuhan coronavirus, of course the mainstream media and the hospitals that are anti-Trump uh, and and pro-everything about Joe Biden, they list that death as death by Wuhan coronavirus. It's crazy. I mean, it's terrible. It's tragic that the child died. But he had a seizure, slipped, and fell his head. Hit his head. That's not dying from the Wuhan coronavirus. That's dying with the Wuhan coronavirus. And there are doctors out there who are worth their name in salt. Um who are saying we have to differentiate, and we're not, between death by coronavirus and death with coronavirus. But these young athletes in college that are saying, oh, well, I don't know, they're wringing their hands, I don't know, we, we, we've got to have some sort of protocol, we need to have some sort of assurance that we're going to be safe out there. Um, they're not seeing what I'm seeing. Here's another report. This is out of Breitbart. Out of the UK, study shows, quote, very little evidence, unquote, of virus spread in schools. We have seen report after report after report that the virus is simply not spreading among young people. And the last I heard, there were zero reports of transmission of the Wuhan coronavirus from a child to an adult. And this is important. I mean, clearly the teachers unions out there, especially in California, are not listening to this reporting either, that there is not a shred of evidence that there is a a child to adult transmission. It may not even be possible. I don't know. But there are no reported cases of it that I know of. and. We have the teachers' union sounding a lot like these spoiled athletes. Why? You know, we're very concerned about this situation and we don't know. We, we're going to boycott. We're going to walk out. Well, it's already been decided in many of these school districts that they're going to Zoom. And we know what the children do during the Zoom meetings. They put up a still picture of themselves and they go outside and play, if they're allowed to go outside and play. Um, and so these school districts... These teachers' unions, the teachers themselves, and the athletes are all wringing their hands unnecessarily. And football is more than just a a metaphor uh, for getting this country back on track. This actually, you know, if you talk to the scientists that I have talked to, these children never should have been pulled out of school. The schools should have never been closed down. The children should have been allowed to go to school. And we knew early on this information that children were not getting sick. I remember talking about it in April, early, early on into this entire episode of the Wuhan coronavirus. The children should have never been pulled out of school. The football players need to tackle each other and sweat on each other because this helps promote herd immunity. Yes, we're looking at a vaccine. More on that in a minute. There's a possible vaccine out there. God bless Russia, mother <laughs> Russia. <laughs> but, but on the other hand, we also know what? That X amount of Americans, I'd say somewhere in the ne- neighborhood of 25%, I bet. Maybe it's a higher number. I bet you a quarter of Americans will not take the vaccine no matter what. And I know my personal physician said I, he will not take the first iteration of this vaccine because it's going to be unstable. And certainly anything from, from Russia... I'm sure he would reject as well. But we have the hand-wringing going on. And we have Mayor de Blasio out of New York. The interesting situation out of New York. They are going on with their school year. Now, this is about a liberal enclave as you can get, right? This is uh, the mirror image of, say, for example, Los Angeles on the West Coast. Los Angeles ain't going to school. They're Zooming. The teachers are saying the hell with it. We're not going to uh, subject ourselves to the Wuhan coronavirus and all these children. We don't want to actually do their job. Here's Mayor de Blasio, roll tape. We are up against a challenge, but it's not a challenge that's going to go on forever. At some point, likely in the course of this school year, there will be a vaccine that vaccine will be administered to kids and families all over. The Stop country. the tape. Now, it's kind of scary the way he says it, right? that there will be a vaccine. And it will it will be administered to to, to children and and their parents. Uh, it, that really sends chills down my spine. Coming from somebody like De Blasio, who is anti-constitutional, anti-liberty, all about the big government, radical takeover, and turning the society into a Marxist socialist um, paradise that he wants to do. Well, we have news, breaking news for. Uh, Mayor de Blasio, and that is Vladimir Putin, is out there saying, guess what? Russia's coming up with a uh, vaccine. And he says that he has even given it to his daughter. And so you know where the mainstream media is going to take this, right? First of all, they're going to dismiss it. You know, anything coming out of Russia, um, they're going to say, well, this is going to be worthless. And it might be. I don't know. They they obviously have a different protocol in Russia. Uh, They did like a phase one and a phase two trial on this thing. Uh, But there hasn't been a phase three. You know, let's face it. Russia can kind of do uh, what it wants. But apparently countries around the world are ordering this vaccine already. So in other words, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of a billion doses of the vaccine have been ordered a billion, um, in dozens and dozens of countries around the world. So, apparently, Putin has won the vaccine race. You know how the uh, Russians won the space race early on? And, of course, the United States uh, overtook them. And maybe we will with the, the vaccine for the Wuhan coronavirus. We have our people working on it right now. But, you know, the first entity to come out with a virus is going to have a leg up on it now it, it, we got to hope and pray that this thing works right i mean because the last thing we want to have happen is a virus out there the vaccine out there that doesn't work and it's being sent out a billion doses to how many dozens of different countries around the world we, we got to hope and pray collectively this thing works i wouldn't take it i'll tell you that much um i i'll take my chances with My um, vitamin cocktail that I take every day, which includes zinc, by the way, um, and a healthy regimen, a workout. I still work out even though my gym is closed. Um, I'm not going to let them beat me. And uh, I recommend all Americans do the same. This is the best way to beat any virus, by the way. Vitamin C, zinc, healthy diet. Don't be obese. Stay in shape. Work out. That's the best one. Wash your hands. Uh, but I've been a clean freak for um, a lot of years. So de Blasio uh, should have some good news here. It should be good news to him, unless he's on the Russian collusion 2.0 bandwagon like the mainstream media is going to be. Uh, well, you can just have, hear the press conference, right, with the president. Um, Mr. President, I uh, ask you a question. Did you have any hand... In helping Vladimir Putin come up with this vaccine. And if you did, what role did you play, Mr. President? Hopefully at that point, I love it, Donald Trump has has developed a habit where if he has these incessant reporters that are just flat out rude, he just says, "Okay, thank you, and then walks off. And now hopefully what's happening among the press corps when he does that is that the other members of the press turn to that Uh, violating so-called journalists, and say, hey, dummy, don't do that again because you just lost my ability to ask a question. It's the perfect thing the president should be doing. I don't think the president should be engaging the press at all right now, the mainstream media. I think he should be out there delivering his statements, let them be stenographers, and then leave the podium. Let Kaylee handle the Q&A with the press if that's what they want. But I think the president just stays on message even reading off a teleprompter directly to the American people, even during these news conferences. um, I'd like to call them fireside chats. I would handle them a little bit differently. I would not do them in the the press room. I would do them in, in one of the rooms of the White House. I would invite maybe a select number of press, like 10, just to sit there in the way back and be stenographers. And then I would invite a red state governor and a blue state governor to participate. You can bring them to the White House, it's fine, or you can have them via video, Zoom or whatever, and talk to them and engage them. How are you doing in Wyoming? How are you doing in Maine? How are you doing in New Jersey? We know uh, New York and New Jersey, by the way, have the highest death toll among the Wuhan coronavirus victims. And uh, we know... One of the reasons why New York had such a high death toll um, is two words. Andrew Cuomo. Meantime, in Florida, we have a governor who is trying to open up his schools. This would be Ron DeSantis. And he is taking hell for it. De Blasio is just fine. It's fine for de Blasio. And by the way, the underlying reason that... Again, the mainstream media will not report as to why New York can open its public schools and not worry about the Wuhan coronavirus. It's not just because children are less likely to have the Wuhan, any kind of symptoms of the Wuhan coronavirus. And it's not just because there's no known case of a child-to-adult transmission. It's because New York has developed herd immunity. De Blasio knows it. Cuomo knows it, but they're not going to admit it. Otherwise, these guys would not be opening up the schools. It wouldn't be happening. But the, the last evidence we had is that somewhere in the neighborhood of 60%, 50, 60, maybe higher percent of New Yorkers, we're talking the Big Apple here, have the Wuhan coronavirus antibodies. And that is enough to effectively establish herd immunity. You let the kiddies go to school and then you've sealed the deal on herd immunity and then it's over. It's over, at least for for New York City. They have effectively inoculated itself. They're not going to even need uh, Vladimir Putin's vaccine. But here we have Ron DeSantis in Florida trying to navigate all of this craziness, trying to engage the parents. You know, one of the things I've heard in California is that you know, they've shut down the schools, like the LAUSD, that's the second largest school district in the country, the Los Angeles School District. The school administrators, the school board, the teachers' union, the teachers, they were all involved, all, all involved. The only entity that wasn't involved in this process, the parents. Imagine that. Imagine. It's the parents with the kiddies. It's the parents paying the the taxes that pays the salary of the school board, that pays the salary of the teachers, that pays the salary of the the union thugs, and they weren't even in the equation. They weren't even part of the process. ah But in Florida, it's a Republican governor who's trying to engage the parents. Roll tape. I'm very much supportive of parents having the option for distance learning. I think they gotta make decisions that they think is best uh, for themselves um, and for their families. And, um, and we wanna continue to, uh, to empower folks with that. Uh, and that's what it should be, right? It should be up to the parents. Of course, the ultimate decision should be up to the parents. The school should be open. And if you don't want your child to go to school for whatever reason, you have that right. And if you wanna homeschool, you have that right. And if you don't want to send your child into the the school... I remember when I was growing up in San Francisco, we had a a horrible time. I must have been maybe seven or eight years old. um, And it was the Zodiac Killer. I'm sure most of you uh, don't remember the Zodiac Killer, but you can Google it. The Zodiac Killer um, froze San Francisco and the entire Bay Area for about two or three months, uh, as he would murder and then he would send notes to the San Francisco Chronicle and the San Francisco Examiner, the newspapers at the time. I think they still are. I think they've combined, though. Um, he would send notes to the media saying, hey, this is who I killed, why I killed, and, this is, and then he would often say, I'm going to kill again. At one point, the Zodiac killer said, I'm going to pick off little kitties as they disembark uh, on a school bus holy moly that was, it. that was it I remember my mom said you're not going to school forever you know mm-hmm. kind of thing even though I didn't re- ride in a school but I, never, I don't think I've ever ridden in a school bus um, large or small and it but in the end it was the parents right I don't know what the school attendance was like in San Francisco during the Zodiac um, killings I would imagine the attendance was down during, when when it was published that the guy was going to pick off little kitties. And, of course, the Zodiac, there's a great movie um, that uh, they did about the Zodiac killer. It's out there. I recommend you watch it. They did a pretty good job um, with it from what I remember. But the bottom line, the, the point of my story is that it was up to the parents. And this is what Ron DeSantis is trying to do here. It's up to the parents to decide whether they should send their children to school. And it should be their choice. The school should be open. And parents should be able to say, yes, I feel confident after listening to the ledger report that my kiddies are not going to die from the Wuhan coronavirus and that we're actually going to do some good by allowing the kiddies to go to school and develop some herd immunity for older people. This is the way herd immunity is supposed to work. Protect the elderly. Those people around 78 years old, which is the average age of the death, of death by Wuhan coronavirus. Protect the elderly. Don't do what Cuomo did, which was to send people who were sick into nursing homes. And this story out of AP, by the way. Says New York's true nursing home death toll cloaked in secrecy. Um, apparently, what had happened in New York when Cuomo was sending sick people into nursing homes—the exact opposite of what should be we should be doing as a society. You should have left the schools open, and you should have protected the nursing homes and not sent sick patients into nursing homes. But we know there was a financial reason behind it. We know that these nursing homes got more money if they accepted the patients and Cuomo indemnified them against any kind of liability for it. It's disgusting. There needs to be an investigation and Andrew Cuomo needs to be held accountable here, criminally accountable. Because I believe he's culpable in the deaths of hundreds if not thousands of people in New York. But apparently what was happening was there... If there was a patient who died in a nursing home, they would count that as a COVID death at a nursing home. But if a patient had COVID and then was rushed to the hospital and then died an hour later, or a day later, or a week later, they didn't count that as a nursing home death, you see. So it just is another example of how the numbers of the Wuhan coronavirus, the data is absolutely corrupt and worthless and is being manipulated as m- one of my favorite phrases is figures lie on liars figure. And that's what we're living through right now as a society, unfortunately, especially when it comes to death by Wuhan coronavirus and especially uh, in the formerly great state of New York. There's another story that's of interest It should be of interest to all Americans. And that is this out of the Seattle Times 40%. This is from the Washington Post, by the way, originally reprinted by the Seattle Times. 40% of people with coronavirus have no symptoms, might be they be the key to ending the pandemic. We have talked about this before that because these people who actually have the virus are asymptomatic and then effectively their body defeats it, what's going on inside them? It's the T cells. It's, it's the way our bodies work and repel viruses. Why are these people able? 40%. I mean, think of it, That's a large portion of our society. And I would bet you that that 40% is a relatively healthy portion of our society, society relatively in good shape. Probably skewing a little bit younger, certainly under 78 years old. But the upshot of the story is a segment of the world's population may have partial protection thanks to, quote, memory, unquote, T cells, which is part of our immune system, trained to recognize these specific viruses or, or invaders to our body. Um, this could originate from cross protection derived from standard childhood vaccinations. So in other words, if we have these other vaccines that we get, or other cases of herd immunity, that have trained our bodies to repel this latest invader. Um which is what the the, technically we call it the SARS-CoV-2. That's the technical name of the COVID-19, of the non-technical name of the Wuhan coronavirus. So, bottom line, 40% of our population has no symptoms, but has the Wuhan coronavirus, meaning that their bodies are fighting this thing off. And... We look at California. California is a fascinating incubator of what's going on with the Wuhan coronavirus. Headline out of the Sacramento Bee: Has California bent the curve? Hospital numbers suggest a plateau. Well, you know it's it's so ridiculous chasing after these numbers because you know anybody who follows statistics at all knows that when you're you're plotting on a chart, you're just plotting up to that point, right? And we started plotting the Wuhan coronavirus in March, effectively. So it's only been five months. What does this chart look like a year from now? Have we plateaued? It's it's a guessing game. But the one thing we're not guessing about is that this is a virus. And this is what viruses do. And California is the nation's largest state. We also know this, that the governor issued a mandatory mask order on June 18th. Yet the numbers continue to rise in California. They seem to be dipping a little bit and then kind of going back up. It's interesting when I talk to people and I say, "Okay, if masks work, why is it that on June 18th, The governor, the the cases by day were around June 18th, was somewhere in the neighborhood of 4,000 cases in California. By August, it was 10,000 cases a day. Ladies and gentlemen, if masks work, that's a month and a half or so, um, into the mandatory mask order. If masks work, then why the spike in the numbers? Okay, so it spikes in, in August, and there's a kind of a bit of a drop-off, and now it's starting to spike up again. <laughs> and the deaths, the deaths in California are very interesting. They have spiked slightly, but, you know, you're talking a state of 33, 35 million people, and deaths per day of around 70 in July, and maybe 100 in August. That's not a huge Devastating number, and you know anybody dying is a bad thing. I know that's the disclaimer we have to give, right? But when you look at deaths per day in California uh, versus the deaths per day average between 2014 and 2019, all right, so that's the what five year period preceding the Wuhan coronavirus in July. There's a chart. It it it's a fascinating chart. It's on Healthcare Cost Institute and let's look at may june and july of 2014 through 2019 the the deaths per day in california is right around 450 right around there that's the average deaths per day may june and july tends to tail off in the summer for some reason tends to go down slightly it's not a, exactly a flat line the deaths per day in 2020 is below 400. So again, the average deaths per day, May, June, and July, is somewhere around 450. That's 2014 to 2019. The average deaths per day in California in 2020 is less than 400. So, Hmm. common sense would tell you that if the Wuhan coronavirus is taking out people at a more rapid clip. In other words, it's killing people and it's adding to the, the normal death tally. Um, that's not happening. What is happening is that there are actually fewer deaths being compiled in, San, in, uh, in, in California in 2020 compared to the previous five years. So, so how exactly do we explain that? How do we explain... The fact that there are fewer aggregate deaths in California in 2020 versus the average in 2014 to 2019. How do you explain if this is such a devastating killer disease? How do you explain this? Well, it seems to me, well, the governor can come out, of course, and say, well, obviously my mitigation uh, efforts worked. (laughs) But wait a minute, wait a minute. The hospitalizations and the deaths by Wuhan coronavirus are up. Something's not right here, folks. This doesn't add up. That the coronavirus death count in California is spiked, but the overall death rate in California is lower than average? Numbers lie. And liars figure. Figures lie and liars figure. Um, And all this, of course... Is is funneling into the moment we're all waiting for, and and that is uh, Joe Biden uh, picking his running mate. And uh, it, it's interesting, you know, you heard a lot of banter about um, Kamala, Kamala, Kamala. I don't know, whatever Harris being the uh, choice of Joe Biden. Um, I you know from a electoral perspective, she makes no sense. Uh, uh, Willie Brown, the former Speaker of the House, the power broker in California, um, said no, she shouldn't be the choice. She should be Attorney General. I, I agree with him. I agree with Willie Brown on that one. I think that in terms of uh, putting a radical in charge of the Department of um, of uh, that department. Uh, in executing Joe Biden. Heck, she's going to execute her agenda, right? She's going to execute the Bernie Sanders agenda, the radical agenda. But putting her in in charge of the Department of Justice would be the move. Wasting her on Now, there's also a factor here that uh, Joe Biden may not serve out his term. And so, uh, okay, fine. You still don't appoint or choose her as the vice presidential running mate. You uh, pick uh, Susan Rice. Again, I don't know what Susan Rice brings to the table. It's a fascinating situation. Whoever is the choice for the vice presidential candidate, the running mate for Joe Biden, it's going to deeply reflect, not Joe Biden's thinking, in my opinion, it's going to reflect the thinking of the modern Democrat Party and what is the... Next generation, the next step after they clear out this guy, they're propping up in the basement of his home. Right? They're thinking about the future here. They might be thinking about winning the election, um, which is, of course, then they can think about the future. To me, um, I would think about winning the election first and the future second. If I was the Democrats, and 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 to that end, I would look at. Stacey Abrams in in Georgia, they they believe the Democrats believe they might be able to carry Georgia in this presidential election cycle. And let's face it, Florida is up for grabs, and uh, possibly choosing that congresswoman whose name always escapes me in Florida as the running mate. That's a strong possibility if you if you're looking at this from a electoral point of view, which I would because they have to clear hurdle one, that is, win the election, before they clear hurdle two, and that's the future of the Democrat Party. But it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be fascinating, folks, how this one unfolds and how they spin it, how the Democrat Party spins it, how Joe Biden tries to spin it. God only knows how he's going to try and come out and explain his processes. For uh, choosing his running mate, and it's also going to be fascinating how the mainstream media spins this. Um, You know, everybody's on pins and needles. You know, who's it going to be? And um, I, I think this may be uh, one of the most uh, underwhelming announcements in political history. But it will also be very revealing. It's not going to be Elizabeth Warren. I I don't care what anybody says, and and people say, well, she's a she's a woman of color. I'm not so sure she's even a woman, quite frankly. Uh, a woman, a Pocahontas? Please, have we been down this road before? Can we? Can somebody just take a strand of her hair? And is that what they use for those DNA tests? I don't know. Or, or maybe if she smokes cigarettes, uh, they can grab one of the cigarettes and put it in a baggie like they do on the detective shows and send it off to one of those DNA sites. And then we can end this nonsense for all that she doesn't have any Indian blood on her. And God bless the Indians, by the way. I hate to uh, diverge here a little bit, but if you go to the Indian casinos in these blue states, it's almost normal. It's almost business as normal. There's only one blessing. For example, if you go to one of the Indian casinos in, in most of the counties in California... It, you can sit down at the restaurant and have a meal inside in the air condition. You can't do that in most of the counties. you got to eat outside. You can uh, go to the bar and have a drink. Imagine that. All the bars are shut down in California. Um, you can go to the bar. It's almost and here's the bonus. Because you know, California is so nutty and I'm not exactly sure why the casinos are complying with this. But you can't smoke in the casinos right now. I don't know what's going on in Vegas. If you can smoke, let me know. If you know what's going on in Vegas, if they're smoking in there. But right now in the Indian casinos in in the counties in California that have them, you can go have a meal. You can go have a cocktail. You can gamble. I don't know if you need the mask when you're gambling, but you certainly don't need it when you're eating and when you're drinking. And there's no smoking. You go to one of these places. Outside, there's dozens of people smoking cigarettes. Yeah, they're puffing away and they got their, their uh, wife beater t-shirts on and they're you know, looking uh, like they haven't slept in about uh, 48 hours and they're smoking and they're waiting. They're just you know, chomping at the bit to go sit down at the penny slots and return and, and, and spend all their paychecks there. So um, it's going to be fascinating Fascinating, the choice. And we got a little glimpse of, not that this woman is some sort of soothsayer at all. I think she's a lunatic, and she's in the top ten lunatics among the, I think she's a member of the squad uh, on Capitol Hill of of the lunatic young Democrats. This uh, Pramila Jayapal, interesting name. I've never heard of either of them before, Pramila nor Jaya Paul, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. I don't really care. Democrat out of Washington, um, she is very smugly saying that Biden is movable, movable, and she says, "quote I will be pushing him." Unquote. I, I suppose what she's trying to say by movable, I I'm, I'm just doing a little interpretation here. Malleable, possibly. Uh, that, that he uh, uh, can be influenced? Oh, yeah. You bet you. Because the Biden platform is gone. It's wiped out. It's been replaced by the radical Democrat platform. Everything out of his mouth is run through this funnel that is being churned out by the Democrat leadership. This is not Joe Biden. When you look at Joe Biden's Twitter feed, that's not him talking. None of that is him talking. In fact, I don't even know if he knows how to use Twitter. I look at his posts and I say, you didn't write that, Joe. There's no way you wrote that. No, it's being written by the the Bernie Sanders people down in the the basements of their their mom's houses. Right? So that is the agenda. And, And this Pramila Jayapal is showing exactly what the modern Democrat Party is all about and what Joe Biden is all about. Joe Biden, the Manchurian candidate, he is malleable. And they're going to manipulate him like silly putty if he happens to limp into the White House. And that's the ledger register this week. Very simple question. No matter what happens from sloppy Joe Biden, is Joe Biden choosing his running mate or is the Democrat Party deciding for him? Um, I'm asking this question both on my website at gramledger.com. That's gramledger.com. But also on the zipapp.com. The zip app with two P's, A-P-P. The zipapp.com. Zip this is also um, a little app for your phone. And it's really designed for your phone. You, you don't really want to look at it uh, online on your computer. You want to use it on your phone. I can tell you, though, that um, they're, they're wholly separate entities. But that both of them are trending in one direction vastly, and I'll give you can you can see the results. I think on both of them when you when you uh, choose to participate in the poll, and of course I'll give the poll results a little bit later in the week. But the bottom line is they're heavily skewed in in one direction, and we know, of course, sloppy Joe Biden is going to come out and he's going to say to the Vladimir Putin vaccine. Oh, this is part of Russian collusion. Look at Donald Trump probably had a hand in this. He's going to echo whatever the mainstream media says. This is their Russian collusion 2.0. Vladimir Putin wins the vaccine race. And of course, the mainstream media, Joe Biden and company, they are going to blame it on who else? Donald Trump. This edition of the Ledger Report is on its way to the archives the Library of Congress. Thank you for listening. I'm Graham Ledger. And remember, even when I am wrong, I am right.